You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. This is live from the table, the official podcast of New York's world famous Comedy Cellar, coming at you on Sirius XM 99, Raw Dog, and on the Riotcast Podcast Network. And we have a full host tonight. Uh, I'm here, Dan Natterman. Periel Ashenbrand is here. Noam Dorman is here. All the regulars and our guests. Uh, first of all, uh, she is a comedian, writer, and filmmaker. Recent credits including the movie Palm Springs, and a co-writer for Borat's subsequent movie film. She is, uh, she has been a guest on Colbert and Conan and also worked on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Jenna Friedman is with us. Jenna, how do you do? It's been a while. Hope you're well in these troubled times. We also have with us from the I- Eliza Schlesinger Show on Netflix, host of IFC's Deep Dive, which is fitting considering that my virtual background today is um, underwater. Uh, that was just a coincidence. Next album, uh, Just a Phase, is coming out next week. And he is currently living with COVID-19. Please welcome Eric Newman to our show. Eric, how do you do today? Yes. Hey, Jenna. Hi. And I got also got outside Steve here with me. And oh. although he's not, uh, uh, wasn't booked, we also have Steve Fabricant, manager of the Comedy Cellar and good friend of Noam Dorman's. Hi, Steve. Steve Fabricant is here if he wants to chime in. Hi, guys. Um, Eric, first of all, how are you doing today? Day four, I believe, after diagnosis? Yeah, I think this is day four. Um, I'm doing okay. Um, I No taste, no smell. Um, fever's down, though, and, uh, and I'm a little weak still, but, uh, but I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, what, is it li- what is it like to have no taste and no smell? Dude, it's fucking weird, Noam. I mean, it's it's frustrating because it's not actually no taste. I misspoke a little bit. It's not quite no taste. It's very muted. So um, it's, you know, it's just, it's frustrating because I'm trying to figure out which foods I can taste at all, which I, you know, so far applesauce has been the winner. Um, I think I've, I've like, I can taste that the most. It's still probably five or 10%, but uh but yeah, I was spending all this money on food for the first two days, and now I'm just like, all right, I'll just eat anything. You better, you better yeah. check the sell-by dates on shit in your refrigerator. You don't even know what you're eating, right? <laughs> it's like- well, that's a good point. Also, if you have no sense of smell, I mean, you know, it could be potentially dangerous if you have a gas leak or, um, I mean, chances are that's not going to happen. And Dan, make me worried about one more thing, Dan. Okay. Well, you also, have, <laughs> you also live with... But we'll get to you and your, uh, and your uh, current malady in, in a little bit. First, we want to talk to Jenna Friedman. She's been quite busy since last we have seen her. Jenna, you're in Los Angeles now, I gather. I know. I miss all of you. I miss New York so much. Well, <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, I'm in L.A. It's and there's lot. nothing here for you in New York. We're, we're under lockdown or nearly entire lockdown. The comedy clubs are closed. Yeah. Well, so, some of them are not, I'm hearing. I'm hearing that some of them are some of them are party party without masks. That's what I heard. <laughs> Actually, uh, wait, no, I don't mean to interrupt. Wait, go. That's okay. Well, if you have something uh, pertinent to say, I suggest you say it. Well, I was gonna say that I uh, I didn't want to cut off Jenna's uh you know 
stuff. But I, I just wanted to say that the Jenna last- does not like you deferring to her because she's a woman. All right. I know Jenna. So just <laughs> you, you treat her like anybody, like treat her like any old person. That's what she wants. Go ahead. <laughs> I was at, no, I was at your club, uh, um, like the night I found out. And, uh, and so I went on stage, not on stage. I did the dinner yeah. thing. And uh, it's okay to talk about that here, I assume. Yeah, it's okay. Okay, so I did dinner, and uh, and then I hung out for about two hours, and I left. And on my way uptown in the Uber, I was feeling like chills, and I knew I had a fever. So I went to ER and got tested, and I was positive. And the last comic I hung out with was uh, was actually a Louis. Um, so I I was I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> no, you can say that. I just I just we didn't get. I mean, we were worried about you, but. You didn't get Louis sick, did you? No, but I didn't. Thank God, I reached out and he's fine. But I, I was thinking, I was thinking how much of a Me Too hero I would have been if, <laughs> if I would have killed Louis. Wait a oh second, but he doesn't know if he's fine. I mean, he could still. He's got like a solid eight days where he can still test positive. They actually changed it to fourteen days of quarantine again. They kind of backtracked. Oh yeah, they're going back and forth. So, clear, Eric, you said you had the chills after you left the cellar. You saying to me that you were feeling perfectly fine whilst you were at the cellar, and then uh, on your way home, you all of a sudden felt ill. You didn't feel any symptoms whilst you were I, there. No, I, I maybe a little tingle in my throat or something, but on the Uber ride. But you know, you know, when you're like socially involved, you kind of like ignore whatever. You know, like I wasn't aware of any of it. But then when I left and I was alone and in the Uber, I was like, oh shit, I don't feel well. So let me just clarify for the people at home. The comedy cellar is not open. The Olive Tree, which is the restaurant above the comedy cellar, is open with 25% capacity. A lot of comedians hang out there and they, they sometimes bullshit with, with the, a mic that we have there because when we, uh, at first we thought we were going to be able to reopen. So we spent a lot of money. We created this whole thing with a mic and a plexiglass shield and whatever it is. But I, I mean, I, I haven't been there, but what is it like 20 people in the room or something like that? Yeah, it's like, I mean, it ranges, I guess, night to night, but I guess at the most, maybe 20 and, you know, but there's been. Oh, and, know, and it's not, it's informal, you know, the comedians really, you're mostly performing for each other, I guess. But um, what I've heard is that there's underground shit going on all around the city where, where people have been getting sick, from what I hear. Oh, I, well, I, I haven't heard about that. I've just heard of shows on rooftops, a lot of shows on rooftops. I'm not familiar with any underground uh, shows, but in any case, um, Jenna, um, we uh, were to understand that you were a co-writer on Borat's new movie film. Whoa. I, yes, but I can't stop thinking. So you're, you're mostly contagious, oh. like right before you, show symptoms, <laughs> right before you show symptoms. So everybody who is inside the olive tree should just get a heads up wow. that, that you have COVID and that if they were there, even at reduced capacity, they should either quarantine or get tested. In my spare time, just for fun. I no, no, no. She's absolutely, she's absolutely right. Um, does Liz know that you could? That By the you, way, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I figured I should have said that. It was probably the most in, important piece of information that I left out. Right after I found out, I te- text Liz and I text all the comics that I'd been with the last couple of days. And, and they'd all gotten tested and they all, everybody's negative so far. Uh, yeah, but they, everybody's not negative is the thing. Because you... It doesn't well, show but, up. But, but Periel tends to be something of a, uh, what's the word, a Cassandra? Um, Karen. Karen? Yeah, a Jap. A Jap is what we call him. No, no, a, well, no Cassandra is somebody who who's just sees doom everywhere, right? She was the one 
somebody who predicts it ahead of time. Like, if you know, more than just sees doom. It's like you have. It's like you see the future in a way. Okay, so if Cassandra's actually sees doom and she's correct. Periel sees doom and she's usually not correct. But I think that term is used more informally as somebody who's just a pessimist. I, I may not be. I would like to go on record that um, I am not a pessimist and it is a material and scientific fact that you can test negative for COVID. Yes, but you said, but you said that there, you seem to imply that there's going to be some cases that pop up as a result of Eric's, uh, uh, Eric's presence there. Would you like to place a wager that no, I am no, correct? No, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying you, you're, you're more confident than I think you should be. Because Eric was outside, I would imagine. Um, Eric, were you only outside? No, I was not only outside. Uh, we, I, we were at the, we were at, I was at the table and I was eating. So at that point, I had my mask off for a little while. But, uh, but you know, I, I still think it's very possible that I didn't spread it at all. Because we do give each other a good amount of space at the table. And most you know, of it, it's it's logic like that that is the reason that sixty percent of people have herpes. <laughs> but go ahead. I really think it's. I'm, I'm pretty sure I didn't spread it. <laughs> I was not there the night that Eric was there, but Eric was there a couple nights prior to me being there when he was not feeling any symptoms, but he still might have been contagious and given it to somebody who subsequently gave it to me. In any case, I have a test on Friday because I'm going to Aruba and they require a test of all people that go. Eric, how do you think you caught it? You know, I thought, I, I really don't know anymore because every hunch I had seems to be proven wrong at this point. I thought I got it from someone, someone who I was with on Tuesday night thought they had it and now they're negative and they've gotten like four tests and they're all negative. So they're negative. And by uh, with you mean, um, in a, uh, in a, um, romantic sense? No, 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 not in a romantic sense. No. Oh, sexual. Uh, you romantic. struck out, you struck out. Sexual sense, but not romantic at all. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor person. So here's how you get it. And it's like, honestly, I took a contact tracing course. You could all take it for free on Coursera through Johns Hopkins. And they actually go through how you get it. And they said, if you're most likely indoors, you're 20 times more likely to get it indoors. If you have conversations for, I would say more than 10, but 10, more than 10 to 15 minutes with people like, you know, indoors, you could be six feet apart. But if it's like, indoors and you don't have masks on you it's not really the best idea but if you're outside you're pretty much okay and you're social distant so so you should tell people i guess you i guess we are right now but anyone inside with you eating at that table should kind of quarantine Every, and everybody knows everybody knows who was there maybe maybe you got it from lily yeah i mean that's the by the way i put it immediately yeah. and i thought about this i put it on instagram i put it on facebook and everything i wanted everybody to know and i after i did it i was like i'm sure most people don't do this i'm sure a lot of people don't tell anyone no i saw that you were very responsible about it that was the right now that's another question uh eric um yeah you know don't take this the wrong way but if you got your affairs in order uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I mean, this is just like no grown-ups here. I mean, you know, you need, you're a man of means. I mean, you, you need to take care of this shit. You don't know what the, the next few weeks is going to go. Go ahead. But, you know I mean, what, Noam? Like, I know, I know you're joking, but well. I'm oh, joking. yeah, joking, yeah. Yeah, 
But the thing is, the amount of outreach I've gotten from people is the only thing that makes me concerned that I'm not going to make it. No, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like once everybody in your life comes back, you're like, oh, this must be it. You How know? old are you? 33. Yeah, the, the odds are, are extremely remote. Of uh, The odds are probably somewhere in the 0.001% category. And, and then, and of course, you don't have any pre-existings as far as, as far as we know. So around 1%. Around 1% of the No, no, not for 30, not for 30. 06%, but get a pulse oximeter to just kind of measure your blood alcohol, or like your, sorry, your oxygen. Yeah, of across the population who've had COVID, but not, not for a 33-year-old. Just to plan the show so I know, because I know where we're going, uh, Jenna, we, I... I was hoping to talk about Bora, but we don't have to, if you're not interested in speaking about I'm that. I'm kind of an ironclad NDA, so all I want to do is talk about it because it was the most fun project, but I can't. Well, we so can talk about we, Sasha Baron Cohen, right? You can talk about the NDA. So, so for example, if I were to ask you um, if that scene at the cotillion or that coming out part, you know, when they introduced the young ladies um, to, into society, was that a, a real coming out party or you're not allowed to discuss that? We can talk about COVID. <laughs> so okay. so I, I, feel bad about, I feel bad about the Ray Ellen John. I was just trying to pick an MC because- oh, for God's sakes, you always do this. This is why we have a special segment called Walking It Back with Noam Dorman. <laughs> you, think it, you think I should cut that out? No, it was a okay. joke. I think you should okay. have the courage the of your- podcast could just okay. be- You should have the courage of your conviction. Like, do you think I should cut this out? <laughs> So wait, wait, you can't talk about you can't talk about the details of the movie, but you can talk about what a genius Sasha Baron Cohen is, correct? Sure, yeah. Sasha and his whole team, they're awesome. And I, I had so much fun and I think I was like so heartsick for New York, but I got to work on that and then I was an actor in Palm Springs and that whole group of people was so cool. And it, those were like two projects that happened pre-COVID that made me like kind of get acclimated i was like la can be cool because they're really anything about palm springs palm uh, Springs is excellent excellent movie i mean really congratulations that's a fucking great film yeah i had not i was just acting in it but um andy ciara is a, a screenwriter and max barbacow directed it it was like the highest selling movie at sundance which i think was the first covid cluster in the u.s <laughs> and um andy sandberg starred in it and produced it and christine kristen Milotti, Milotti, who's so i i can't can't pronounce her name right now but she's so talented and um it's like it was a movie that's kind of like uh, Groundhog's Day, but set at a wedding, and it came out at this time where I think it was like the beginning of um, COVID, and we were all just like in our homes, quarantined, losing our minds, and then this like movie that was like fun and light, but also really dark, about two people reliving the same day came out, and it really... We had, it's it kind really of like Groundhog's Day, right? It's sort of that a Groundhog's Day type of a... Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, Andy, movie. I've known Andy for a long time, for a few years, for maybe four yeah. years. He's yeah. So so funny. I did a scene with him where they kind of let me improvise a little bit and I couldn't stop laughing. It was, I don't know if you saw it, but the scene in the car where I'm jerking him off. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was improvised. That's awesome. That was a great scene. Thanks. Jenna, didn't you, yeah. you, you know, when I met you, weren't you like in grad school or you were having issues like your family was worried that you wouldn't be able to make a living in show well, business? Always. I mean, always. But yeah, no, we it met. Wasn't me that told you. Uh -huh. 
that it's, I told Dimitri Martin the same thing, by the way, years ago, when he was telling me that his family was upset because he was quitting law school. I said, this business is doable. If you, if you stick to the, if you, if you, if you like, you know, want to be a writer, especially, and you're, and you're halfway decent at it and you stick to it, it can be done. For sure. Yeah, no, I, um, I was my, they wanted me to go to business school, um, which wasn't my thing. I was considering a master's in public health, which I think I would have really, uh, enjoyed at this moment. But, um, yeah. And then I just, I ended up getting that writing job at Letterman, like, right. I was like about to go to grad school and then I got that job. So I stayed in New York. I, I want to hear, I want to hear that story. Like, so I, I was about to go to grad, grad, uh, grad school, but I got that job. So, uh, so I didn't take the job and I went to grad school. Like you never hear that. You never hear that. Uh... Yeah. Some, I actually, the grad school I got into was UCLA film school and a comedian mentor of mine was like, don't write for Letterman, go to film school. And I, I didn't listen. Well, who was that comedian mentor? Because I wanted a paying job. But um, anyway. Who was that comedian mentor? Odenkirk. Who? Bob Odenkirk. How do you get a comedian mentor that? like Bob Odenkirk as, as a young uh, person because that's really in the business? My web series, Ted and Gracie, it was these web videos that I made that went viral. New York Mag picked it up and it went viral like right at the beginning of Twitter. So, um, you know, I think a, I, the, that was a really weird, dark project that I wrote and directed myself and all these comedians saw it. And then that's how, you know, Bob's super cool. He, he does that to a lot of comics. He's like, he's just great. He was never I, a stand-up, I, right? I want to talk about before we, I he just did, want to. He does stand-up. I mean, he does a different kind of stand-up, but he always, he, he's like definitely done stand-up. Yeah. I, I want to make sure we get uh, the Chappelle uh, thing in because I think that's a big, a big news story in the comedy world. Noam, I sent you, um, I sent you an article. I don't, I, I'm, I'm assuming you didn't read it. I read it. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I stand corrected. Um, but just to uh, just by way of background, Dave Chappelle apparently, just for our listeners who may not know, um, of course you all know. Years ago, he he uh, was in a show, starred in a show called The Chappelle Show on Comedy Central, and Netflix uh, was streaming it on on their thing. And uh, Chappelle told them that he didn't want them to, that legally they could, but he did not want them to because Chappelle wasn't making any money off of these streaming services because he's the contract he signed with Comedy Central. He says he was young and somewhat desperate, I suppose, and didn't sign a contract that was advantageous. This is him. This is his version of events. And in any case, he's not making any money when they stream it. Uh, and they, he feels that they stole his, his creative work from him. And so, um, so Netflix, even though they weren't obligated to, uh, they took it off their site and Chappelle expressed gratitude and feels that Netflix always does the right thing by him. So what do we think of that? Where the hell did Noam go? Oh, there he is. So everybody, what do we think of this uh, episode? If you can do that and, and people are cool with it, if that, that's good for him. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I think that's great. I just wonder if, you know, Dave Chappelle were a struggling young comic who actually needed that money, would Netflix have been so generous of spirit? That seems to be- well, the answer is- I asked the same question. The answer is highly unlikely. Netflix is doing what Chappelle says because 
as a business decision, yeah. they feel that he's worth more to them as an ally than as an enemy. Yeah. And they want to be nice to him because, you know, he does their, his specials with them. I don't think it has anything to do with Netflix being a generous company. Certainly Netflix does not offer generous deals to newer comics that aren't famous. They offer, I assume, I as little as they can get away with. Um, would be right. my guess. So, and no power for worse, you know. <laughs> as a business owner, Noam, you, this notion that he signed a bad contract with Comedy Central, does that, as a business owner, what, what do you make of this notion of, is there such a thing as a bad contract? If you have two sides, both with legal representation, both with their eyes open, and, and uh, you know, you, I mean, he, he, he was young, but he wasn't, I don't think desperate is the right word. He was already fairly well established by the early 2000s, had done several movies and was a well-known person in the business. So do you think that his argument that he, that Comedy Central took advantage of him or that acted improperly holds any water? I don't know. I mean, is that, there's, there's such things as deals which um, are bad, either because the other side uh, played uh, loose with the truth or because your own representation was negligent in some way. Um, I suppose Comedy Central would make the case that it, yeah, Chappelle's thing went huge, but they probably had lost millions on a bunch of other deals that were similar to Chappelle's that, uh, you know, ran for three episodes and got canceled. Um, uh, you know, the, it, 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 he's hearkening in some way to like the classic kind of like Little Richard um, gets taken advantage by the, the, the white music executives and finds all of a sudden that he has a co-writer on his publishing and stuff like that. But... Um, I don't think it's as bad as that, but I think that there is a huge, uh, there's a huge difference in bargaining power in, in some of those deals. And he might've signed a deal uh, that he wished he hadn't, but that's, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there with Comedy Central. Then, he, then Netflix um, makes a deal with Comedy Central and then Netflix has an ongoing arrangement with Chappelle. So now Chappelle essentially and he's absolutely right to do this, puts into their, onto their bargaining table. He says, listen, I want X amount of dollars for my X special, and I want X percent of the profits from the Chappelle show. And that's, now that's our new deal, right? I mean, I suppose that's what's gonna happen. I don't think Chappelle's show is gonna disappear. They'll have to make a deal with Dave, and, and why can't he exercise that bargaining power? You know, I don't see anything wrong with that. I think he's, you know. Well, he can exercise his bargaining power as a business person, yeah. but this notion that he's a victim I don't know. Listen, I made a deal with Vegas, yeah, and I got out from under it. But I, I, I felt I was, I, I got a, um, I don't want to go into love, but I, I've been in deals where I, where when the dust settled, um, I felt that I got uh, the shaft in some way. That's not to say that there was a, I, um, I had legal recourse, but, and I blame I'm myself surprised. in a way. But yeah, you know, I'm surprised to hear you say that, Noam, because. You know, you often speak of comedians have every right not to work your club if they don't like the terms of, uh, of what you're offering. And, and um, you know, generally speaking, when we talk about these sorts of things, you seem to be very much of the mind, unless I'm misinterpreting you, very much of a mind that people can negotiate. You know, they're free to negotiate. They're free to say no. They are. They are. I'm, not, I, I'm just saying that the idea that somebody can feel that a deal that they signed um, was a bad deal, that's legit, you know, that, that, that can happen. And, and 
I don't know that Comedy Central did anything wrong, is what I'm saying, but, you know, he might feel, fuck. I mean, listen, he also, uh, as we know, walked away from the, whatever season it was, where, the, where he was going to be making tremendous money, right? So it's a, it's a complex situation. I don't know anything about it. And I'm, and I'm reluctant to, to judge. But I do think that it's perfectly fine for Dave like Paul, Mc like the Beatles got fucked out of their publishing, right? We know this. The Beatles gave away their publishing for a pittance. Now, yeah, I mean, they, they went into it eyes open, right? We know that. So it's kind of the same thing. On the other hand, something went wrong there where Paul McCartney doesn't own yesterday, right? So uh, that's kind of the situation Dave is in. He, he signed it, but, you know, looking back on it, the idea that, that, that people are making millions off the Chappelle show and Dave's not making any money from it. Well, there something went wrong there. And now, if there's a, if there's a way to correct that now, uh, I think it's, it's well. But, but David does make millions. I mean, arguably, and and one could argue this point that I'm about to make. It was the Chappelle show that made David who David is. And were it not for the Chappelle show, pardon, Jenna. Dan, what's the subtext about? There are so many things going on in the world. Why this? Why this thing? Well, but this what? because this is a big news. comedy story, and we're a, the Comedy Cellar podcast. And okay. and and uh, we do spend a lot of time talking about uh, Asians not getting into Harvard, among other things. <laughs> and um, Jenna, don't and, let don't let Dan mansplain you. I know you hate that. So <laughs> I thought that a very I, I, I thought that a very big 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 story involving a comedian <laughs> would be something that we could. He just did something because he could in a way that doesn't really hurt anybody, you know, and, and, and people in power have done things far worse with their power. And it's like, I mean, unless. But, but this, is a, this is a big comedy story. We're a comedy. Um, no, it's a fascinating story. And Noam is a business owner that has a unique perspective. Because normally you talk to artists, you don't have a business owner talking with you. So I think that's an interesting Dichotomy. Eric, you say what? Well, wait, wait, I'll, tell, wait, I'll say one other thing. Also, my father, you know, was, uh, made records at one time, music records. And his first record, which turned out to be very, very successful, he never got paid for it. There's, you know, pe people do get fucked, maybe in show business, uh, even more than in other things. And I, I don't, like I said, I don't know at all the details of Chappelle's deal with Comedy Central. I know that Comedy Central was very fair, beyond fair with me when I dealt with them. But this is not between Dave and Comedy Central. This is between Dave and Netflix. And I'm sure that Netflix will be Dave, able to- I don't think Dave yeah. likes Comedy Central for other reasons. I think he was upset because when he left, he left on not the best of terms. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a bit of that playing into this. Two, two things I want to say. First of all, almost nobody's first contract is fair, ever. Uh, the second thing I want to say is people talk about networks. You know, they say Netflix, Comedy Central. You know, it's- it's the name. I mean, it's a brand. Netflix is the name of a company. Comedy Central is the name of a company. Between 2003 or whatever year that was that Chappelle's show started and now, I guarantee you 99.9% .9 of the executives are, and assistants and everybody else working there are completely new people. I hate when people go, Comedy Central fucked me. Netflix fucked me. Whatever executives were in charge of those networks at the time, they fucked you. So it's like, and, and by the way, network executives, if you read Deadline, network executives come and go. They switch from network. There are probably network executives who have worked at every major network, you know, in the last 10 years. 
So like, I don't like this notion of like, this company screwed me. That company, sure, it's a, it's a name. I mean, I mean, what are you going to change a name every time an executive who made a big decision? But, well, let me, let me add something to that because this is true. And I don't know, this is swimming out from Dave's deal. I know nothing about Dave's deal. But quite often there is a, an issue in, in negotiations. I've been through this where the issue becomes, listen, do you want more money up front or do you want to take more on the back end? And quite often performers say, no, no, fuck that. I want it up front. And then what happens in that situation is when it happens to be one of those rare things that, that becomes you know, a juggernaut and makes billions, um, that becomes a very, very bad decision. So I had like a band, I remember very clearly that I hired one time in the old Cafe Wa, and I offered them, I don't know, like 30% of the door or whatever. And they say, no, no, we want our $1,500 for this thing. And $1,500 was a lot. I said, okay, I'll give you the $1,500. And then the night just blew up and they probably would have made three times the money if they had taken the deal I offered them. And then they were mad at me. I remember they were furious with me. <laughs> well, this is, and I'm like, listen, I told, you know, like what you, you can't, you can't just say, I want this deal or that deal. And I want the right a year afterwards to take the better of the two. That's not the way it works, you know? So, um, but it, People I mean, are not rational about these things. I think, I think that it's good that Dave did that, though, because when you exercise your power in a way that protects, you know. I think it's the, great. I, I yeah, think it's, me too. And the, well, the but, but art, you say it's great, but what's the harm of having Netflix um, air his show? I mean, I guess you could say because he, he gets to renegotiate with Comedy Central. Yeah, let him get paid. Why shouldn't Dave Chappelle well, still be making money off the Chappelle show? Because he was a knowing actor engaged in a contract, I assume with representation, probably legal representation. I mean, contracts have to have some, uh, you know, meaning. Now, obviously, in the law, there is a concept of a contract of adhesion, I think it's called, where, where the two sides have such vastly different bargaining power that the court will throw the contract okay. away. And I don't know if there's, there's no contract being thrown out here. This is Dave has Dave has bargaining power with Netflix for future right. specials. And obviously I don't know to what extent has been said explicitly or implicitly in their dealings, but everybody gets the, the point here is that, listen, we have a, we, we have an ongoing relationship here. I'm not going to be happy if you're making millions of dollars on the Chappelle show why I make zero, and then I have to report to work to do specials for you also. So it's Paul but McCartney. Hold on, hold on. Paul McCartney was very bitter at Michael Jackson, remember? Because Michael Jackson yeah. took over the Beatles publishing. Now yeah, he owned all the music. Didn't he own all the music? Yeah, yeah. And, and Paul wanted to buy something back, and Michael's like, go fuck yourself or whatever it is. Go fuck yourself. So, so <laughs> the point being that there's a lot of emotion that gets mixed up, and rightfully so, when you're – when, and, it's, and I think it's especially with um, artistic creations rather than like a house that you build. And when, you, when your baby essentially got sold for a song and now this other dude who you're working for, working with in Netflix is putting, is just re raking in the dough from yours. It's like, you know, it, it's, it, it takes a huge person. Well, you know, a deal's a deal. So Dave finds himself you know, in a position. I think if, I, if I were in yeah. Dave's position, yeah. And, and making the kind of money he's making, I think I would say a deal is a deal, but maybe not. Yeah, but I you don't have, but you don't know, but you don't know the backstory and and the reason that story. he has I about it. I suspect that he has some personal grudges against Comedy Central, which may be quite valid. I know that when he left, I think he was upset because he felt there was some racial shit going on. 
Jen is really not interested in this topic. I do think it's quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> interested. I think there's a deeper, I was trying to understand like why this topic is important. And I think listening to you, Dan, there's something about the idea that like, you know, does anything have meaning? And like, does a contract have meaning? And we are, you know, nearing the holidays and we're in this weird time. And I think we're trying to make sense and meaning out of things. So when there's a contract and then that per somebody dissolves the contract, I think, especially you went to law school, right? I'm not trying to psychoanalyze. I'm just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, you know, there's something of like the, 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 the floor falling out from under you, uh, you know, when, when contracts are dissolved. Well, I, no, it, like he's not dissolving the contract, but he is complaining about the contract. He is saying it was an unfair contract and that he was taken advantage of. And I'm skeptical that that's the case. Of course, I don't know what the contract was. I mean, maybe he was paid $5 a week and, and, and all the whiskey that you can drink, you know, like- No, 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 those, those, initial, those initial deal contracts are very meager. Uh, I, I have no inside information, but I remember Amy Schumer in some interview talking about how she had almost, she'd made very little money from her show. And that was already, um, uh, you know, when Comedy Central had much more money than they did when they first dealt with Dave. I think even Jon Stewart made very little money when he first took over the Right, Daily but once show. it got popular, he could renegotiate and was going to, but then things fell apart because he decided not to. But, but it wasn't like he was locked in for life at that rate. I, I think I think what I said before is is the the best explanation that this is a very emotional thing yes, to artists, I so. and I think that's what is. I think he hates Comedy Central and is it, it, it that I it has nothing to do with Comedy Central. Takes the money they're making either way, right? Like Comedy Central has a deal with Netflix. Netflix takes what they want out of Comedy Central's catalog, or was it just that show that Comedy Central? I think sold? it was just that either show. I, also, Noam is right. Comedy Central lost, took took a bath on many shows. Yeah, they didn't know that. I mean, they knew Chappelle was a major talent, but they did, they didn't know for any certainty that the show would blow up like it did. And they they did produce a lot of shows that went nowhere. Uh, you know, so I mean, I think that's you know Noam's right when he when he pointed that out. Well, so there there is you know there there is something. This is not um, legal, but you know the concept of being a mensch is not a stupid one. If you make a deal with somebody and you find that you've made 20 times more money than you anybody contemplated as the best case scenario of this deal, you know what? Give the dude some points on the deal. Say, you know what, Dave, we had no, when we made this deal, we had no fucking idea. Nobody ever conceived it could be this kind of thing. So you know what? Here's, here's $10 million. And thank you very much. It's the best thing that ever happened to any of us. Like, that's not a crazy thing to do, it's not, you know? It's not crazy. No, no, I don't, not, it's not crazy, but I don't think it makes you immoral if you no, don't do it. No, especially not immoral. Because, not immoral. Because Dave benefited in a major way from, from that show. Even not immoral, no. Yeah, no, no. Not, not, Dan, not immoral, but I do agree with Noam. I think that at the end of the day... You have to evaluate, am I being a good person in this and scenario? Corporations, by the way, corporate, you and I operate that way, but corporations people, But Dan, that's the problem with corporations. People, people, people yeah, run yeah. corporations. Human beings run corporations. I hate people say that. I hate when people go like, oh, it's corporations. There's human beings the way there's human beings anywhere running a company. So if you're a good human being, you'll take care of the people who took care of you. That's it. I mean, I don't think there's any way around it. So should JetBlue, JetBlue had a great year and the price of oil went way down, 
And should they call me up and say, Dan, I think, you know, we had a great year. You paid $10,000 for your tickets. Well, we're going to give you 5000 back because we had such a great year. <laughs> but that's too indirect, Dan. That's, way, that's an extreme example. That's way too indirect. Jenna, Jenna wanted to jump in. Jenna? I was just saying, it's, it's better business for Netflix to want to appease one of their, you know, star talents. It, if, for example, if, if Chappelle had like appealed the contract and then went to court, then it would be like a really interesting thing for us to talk about because it would be like setting precedents for other comedians to do that. But this is just kind of an informal, Netflix might be making even more money by just placating Chappelle and, and now- Yes, Chappelle I absolutely agree with you 100%. I don't think Netflix is any more, more, I think Netflix is as amoral as any other company They've making a decision. I, I don't know this for sure, but they'll, they, they drop Dave Chappelle tomorrow if a scandal came out and they got enough tweets saying dump Chappelle. They would, they would say, we, we regret that we work with this scoundrel, you know, j just like they did with Louis. They dumped him at the drop of a hat. They have no loyalty. And, uh, and I don't believe they have any. I, I, I got to say about Chappelle. How is Louis? <laughs> he has COVID. No, he doesn't have no, to Don't say things like that. Don't say things like that. Louis is fine. He's flourishing artistically. He just wrote in a whole nother uh, hour or maybe a half hour since his last, since his last one. It was he, great. I saw him gonna... tonight. He did like 15, 20 minutes at the dinner and uh, it was really, it was really, I mean, a lot of it was really good. We're going to take you seriously. I just want to say about, uh, about Chappelle that um, he's never been, I never heard a bad word about that guy in 25 years. I've never seen him being harsh or, or an asshole or, or cheap or anything but extremely generous with anybody. So I think that's, that's, that's coloring my entire look at this. If it was somebody else, I'd say, well, that guy's a prick, you know, but Dave is not, you know, he's just not. So I would not, I would say that um, I, I would keep a very open mind. I wouldn't make any assumptions about any of that stuff. Obviously Dave is, is presenting a, a, um, a a party line, you know, he's decided how he's going to go, what he's going to say in public about this, and that's to be as uh, neat and clean as possible. But whatever's under the hood there, I I I I would tend to say that um, I would tend to guess that he probably had some really legitimate reasons for his resentments. That's what I would say. That dog is adorable. Isn't isn't it a good isn't it a good precedent though? I mean, for all comics, like, didn't he really do something? There's no precedent here. <laughs> oh, you dog! Jenna just Jenna just I don't know if that what is that a Boston Terrier? No, yeah, Chihuahua. Oh no, that's a Chihuahua. So cute. Yo quiero Taco Bell. <laughs> Very cute. And speaking of Mexico, uh, I did. This is a good segue. Um, I did really want to talk about, even though it's unrelated, to say the least, to Chappelle, um, whose ancestors have been in America for many generations. In <laughs> fact, I think Dave's grandfather was, was like a, a, a part of a delegation that talked to William Howard Taft. Uh, that went Dave to Chappelle? Washington. Yeah, something like yeah, you that. Should go, if you go to Chappelle's Wikipedia page, I can't remember the details. There's like five people of note in his background, I think on both sides of his family, like, like, like just a professor and then a, an ambassador and like a, a, a statistician. And I mean, there's all, and there's all kinds of interesting things. This is a very, because I'm a, a very interesting- This is not client. uncommon, you know, and, and this is not uncommon because smart people come from, as a general matter, other smart people. 
Now, this is politically incorrect to say, but talent and intelligence have at least some genetic component to them. Whoa, whoa, careful there, Dan. And uh, <laughs> I don't think it's unusual to see people of great talent and ability and intelligence whose parents, relatives, extended family are similarly. Um, from what I heard from Periel, sex is not even genetic anymore. So I don't know how you can say such a thing. Even, even your gender is apparently not genetic. So I don't know why. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Not well, sex, it's gender. Oh, your gender. So, <laughs> you really want to get into something, don't you? <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so, but anyway, as I was saying with Mexico and uh, yeah. that whole thing, um, and the Yo Quiero Taco Bell, so Trump apparently, and this is the favorite, Jenna, no one wants to talk about immigration. So this is up his alley. I hope uh, you enjoy it as a discussion. Um, apparently Trump wants to- Immigration like in the comedy? Because I thought this podcast was just- ju- <laughs> Well, we do both. We do both. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a, what we call a hybrid. <laughs> it's a hybrid. It's a hybrid. We do want to include comedy because we are a comedy seller, but we also do other stuff. Now- Apparently, Donald and Noam's obsessed with immigration. Now, Donald Trump apparently wants, by executive order, is considering revoking birthright citizenship. I don't know if you heard this, Noam. I assume you have. Trying to um, revoking birthright citizenship. Yes. Yeah, that Trump said this recently. Uh, Well, I can Google it for you, but yeah, I mean, that's well. I don't know if he said it or I just, I just. He had talked about that years ago. Um. Uh. you know, there's there are some not crackpot legal minds who think that there's a legitimate argument there, but kind of most people feel that that ship has sailed. I, I would, I'm all right with that. Trump considers uh, uh, targeting birthright citizenship with executive order in his last week's in office report says, I don't know what this report is. But I mean, executive order can be always just undone by Biden. So just what- to review for, from my research that I just did today, the 14th amendment says that, um, it says that, uh, that citizenship is extended to anyone that was born in the United States and and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Yeah. Well, that was a slave amendment, a slavery amendment. So the, the obviously the intention was the intention was to legalize the slaves. Um, and uh, at, at that time the rest of the immigration was just not an issue anybody really cared about. But just um, the notion that somebody is in the country illegally, has a baby, and then that baby now has rights, is, is counterintuitive. If, if, um, if my wife and I go to China and she's pregnant and she happens to give birth prematurely in China, I don't think I'm going to be like, how dare they not allow my child to be a Chinese citizen? You know, I would say, oh, you know, they, they, don't, they don't consider tourists, tourist births as a citizenship right. So, you know, I, I'd be okay with not allowing birthright citizenship and it, it, it's a bad incentive it gives an incentive to people come over here as tourists when they know they might give birth and then to um make an end run, end run around immigration laws by by having birth in the united states having said that like to hear, uh, most legal most legal scholars think that it's a non-starter i would like to hear a latino perspective so if jenna's dog could give us his uh, i would say potato was born in ohio but i would say that trump is in a couple months and we don't need to talk about him or his like divisive uh pseudo policies hopefully he'll go to prison he might not but i think he oh should. jenna i'm totally for what? with you be held accountable for Did their actions so <laughs> listen this is what this you know this is you 
when when they were when they were um, chanting for Hillary, lock her up, lock her up. I said, this is just wrong. Do people understand what it means to put somebody in jail? And there, we had evidence that she committed a crime. I mean, most people, I think, understand that um, Comey basically just let her off. She had she had uh, classified material on her own computer. But who wants to see somebody in jail with Trump? I mean, you know, what, what what crime? We're 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 talking about people being having we're, as a as a country we say we're incarcerating too many people for real you know serious crimes we should we shouldn't be incarcerating so many people and I don't want to put Trump in jail for what? Yeah, you got cut Trump? off. Okay, treason of justice, tax evasion. Um, you know, admitted he's an admitted sexual predator, uh, but you know. Right. There, well, you're you're going to have to study your proof in court, but yeah, if he if he evaded taxes um, and they can prove it, then very unlikely. There's very few people go to jail for tax evasion. You get fined. It has, would have to right. be. Yeah, well, he didn't pay any taxes for millions of dollars, and he refused. It, it, by the way, as, as I understand it, he refused even when they asked him to. They, he he had the chance to pay. I'm sure they he could refused. find a very good reason to send him to jail. I mean, I'm sure he's oh, done. Just, I'm sure. What? You don't think so? Why would I think so? This guy has had the best uh, legal and uh, professional representation for in a 30-year career as accountants and lawyers and everybody. What do you think? He's taking cash under the table? I presume that the wait, people wait, he wait, pays... Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, Jenna. I presume the people he pays top dollar to have found Julia. all the legal loopholes without putting him in risk of going to jail. What's that, Jen? Sorry. Michael Cohen actually was somebody who spoke out about, like, against Trump in terms of, like, legal issues. And then also Giuliani, you can't say Giuliani is the best legal representation money. Well, buy. Michael, but, but there, I think you made a very good point from my side because Michael Cohen was desperately trying to come up with something on Trump so that he wouldn't go to jail himself. And he was Trump's Bagman. He knew all the Trump secrets. If there was one there that was bad enough to put Trump in jail, wouldn't Michael Cohen have told them to keep himself out of jail? He didn't. There was, he couldn't come up with anything. As a matter of fact, even paying off Stormy Daniels, all he said was, Trump said, we'll take care of it. He didn't, you know, like. Well, that's like mafia tactics. You know, he cannot put anything in writing and, you know. No, he should so take care of it because it was a legal way to do it. You could pay, you, he was allowed to pay Stormy Daniels. Did he use campaign funds to pay no, her? No, it's the opposite. He, he, pay, he used personal funds, and now people were trying to say that he should have used campaign funds, which is crazy to me. Anyway, I don't Either. think Trump's going to jail. But he is leaving office, and Jenna must be very pleased about that. I, I think your first husband, Jenna, will be in, will be in jail before Trump. Josh? Who <laughs> <laughs> will? Are you married, Jenna? No. No. We're not. Did you sign an NDA about this too? No, we're we're like we're kind of you know, I mean, kind of, kind of. I just I don't want to talk about my personal. Congratulations. Well, who's well? You don't want to talk about your personal life. Are you dating somebody famous? Yeah. Are you? Oh, I don't know because you have in the past. I think I don't know if I thought maybe. All right, no more personal life talk. What, what are your thoughts what on- What can you talk about, Jen? <laughs> this is Jen, Jen so far has, has said we shouldn't, we can't talk about uh, Sasha Brown Cohen, we can't talk about her love life and the things that we want to talk about, we shouldn't be talking about. So what does that leave us, uh, Jenna? What, Jenna, what would you like to talk about? 
What a killjoy. Wait, what, were you, what was your question? Well, well, Jenna, yeah, you no, like Jenna, but name a topic that you want to hit and we'll hit it. As long as we know something about it. I, I'm so curious as to like, how, I guess like the, the seller's closed right now, but how are you guys doing? How's New York doing? You know, like, what do you, how do you, are, I guess, I don't know. A lot of people are doing rooftop shows. I know Chappelle has his like thing in Ohio. All that stuff is really interesting to me because I haven't, been doing stand-up and I know you know I feel so well, I'm I'm leaving I'm leaving the country I'm going to Aruba on Sunday assuming they let me they let me in because you have to test negative I assume I will but you know Newman has been spreading spreading uh, germs all over all over the comedy world so who I haven't knows? seen but, you in a while though Dan I feel like yeah right? but you've seen people that I've seen you understand right that's right well the way, man the seller the seller really just like hanging out there for dinner and stuff like the last two months man is like mentally just been like the best for me like i was i just needed it so badly it's just really been like nice seeing everybody and uh yeah as, as opposed to as opposed to everyone else in the industry and perils with pressure i've i've been um avoiding getting my uh, dipping my my toes in anything comedy related trying to do outdoor shows trying to do this i don't want anybody getting sick i don't want to bust my head open i don't want I, what I hear about going on in other places disturbs me. I get mad when my employees aren't wearing N95 masks. I, the only reason I opened the um, olive tree is for, for what Eric just said. I, I, I realized it was very important for the comedians to have a place to go and hang out. And frankly, I was worried about that happening somewhere else. And, and that could um, have consequences long term for the place. So I felt a pressure both um, to, to do the right thing and business pressure to, to, to open when they allowed us to open 25% capacity. But um, I, I, I don't want to do a single thing in comedy until there's a vaccine. I just don't want to take any chances. Well, also you have to understand like certain places like The Stand, for example, they've done shows, outdoor shows, but those guys, they, they live, sleep and breathe comedy. The owners of The Stand, it was always their dream to own a comedy club. It was Noam's dream to, I'm not sure what Noam's no, dream. No, no, but I, but like I read, for instance, like there was an SNL after party, right? Uh, I didn't want it. I didn't, I didn't want it. I, I, I had some, um, I, I had some opportunity to, to get involved in, in that. And I didn't, I just didn't want it. I, I, well, I said, if you, essentially, if you, if you can get me a lawyer who can go through the whole thing and tell me exactly how it can be done legally and blah, 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 that, then I would do it. Otherwise, I just I and and it's hard to turn down anything. It was when Chappelle was in town. It's very hard to turn that stuff down. Wait, but no. What do you mean an SNL after party? You mean like at the club? I, I don't. I don't want to misspeak. I, I was never offered the SNL after party, but um, uh, I don't want to go into. It, but the point is that there been, nobody there, wants to there, talk. There, about have, there have been things that have happened elsewhere, which uh, could have happened at the Olive Tree. Uh, but I just, I, I just passed them up. Putting safety first in that kind of a way. I think it's a balance because, you know, a lot of, with everything, with schools opening, with all of it, it's like safety versus like people's mental health and ability to make money. And it's like always kind of balancing. And I think, you know, if you can figure out a way to not put people at risk, that's always better. But also, you know, yeah, every everyone's going through their own, uh, trying to figure out what makes sense. But I think but my, I, point, my point needs to be stressed is that Noam's love for the world of stand-up comedy is 
not overly uh, is not, not about that it's not about what it's yeah, but it's, i know but if you were a, a huge comedy fan loved it, like, the, like the guys at the stand love it you'd probably want to do shows no and um i, I, I had that yeah, and, and general what's that Go well ahead, i like i just don't think you can say that i think some people just like have a need to put them uh, i'm gonna get in trouble for saying this but i don't know like i think you know, if you get COVID, COVID compliance officers and you can do it in a really, really safe way, like Chappelle, I think there's a really good model for doing it. But if you're in a city like New York and it's like tricky, you know, it's cool to kind of put people's safety ahead of like your either need to like perform or have stuff open. I, you know, everyone has their own levels of comfort and ultimately it's personal responsibility, but I don't think it's like, because you don't love comedy, you're not opening your club i don't think that's fair I agree. No, it's not an insult there's no it's no shame in not loving comedy i don't love comedy no, I had no, but Dan, <laughs> i think i think jenna's right though i think like for example i knew i needed to perform and i tried to do it in a safe way so starting in june whenever i got opportunities basically from june until three days ago i performed most nights of the week right i mean i needed i made that choice i was trying to be safe i wore a mask i you know but i ran around and there are a lot of comics who probably love comic, comedy as much as I do, who just didn't feel safe. Like I know comics who love comedy who haven't performed in eight months. They're just like, whatever their health took. I was like, I knew I could, there's a good chance I was gonna get COVID. My, my only point was that love of comedy is a factor that goes in the scales. Yeah, of course, Even, of course. So if factor. you love comedy a whole lot, but are also very safety conscious, you know, you wind up over here. But if you really love comedy, it might push it this way. But if you don't love comedy that much, so it's just it's it's something that goes in the in the in the. In yeah, the I, agree, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's what it is, but but anyway, I I um. I I, I will fault Jenna's. I will fault Jenna's. Uh, um, Nancy Pelosi, for what it really does seem to me that uh, she was. They were. They, they should have passed a second round of of covid relief they really should have and they um from from what i've read it really was that the democrats didn't want to give trump that that edge before the election I thought it was like the bill was on mcconnell's desk and he just hasn't no uh, that's not no if you read it because because there's a famous interview where Pelo where um wolf blitzer was asking pelosi about it and she got indignant and refused to answer and started talking over him when he he started asking her the right questions like you know what, what they did is they kept I saw AOC tweeted about it too. Like the reason we're not signing it is because we want to make sure that um, the issue she said was that because cor corporations want to have um, uh, be protected from liability for COVID, whatever. They always find some reason, but the, but the thing is that they they passed one round and the Republicans said, let's just pass another round the same as the first one. And that was, that was what they should have done. And um in the meantime, a lot of places have gone broke. And uh, it's, I would rather they just pass another round of relief and just let all the restaurants close, especially now when there's a vaccine, when we know there's a light at the end of the tunnel, when, where they can literally say, okay, it's probably another three months times X amount of dollars. We know a finite is gonna cost this amount of money. It's not open-ended anymore. Write the fucking checks. Let everybody stay home for the next couple months. And enough with this. And why they're not doing that? I mean, I'm sorry I put it on the Democrats. All of them. Fuck all of them. The point is that the government is really letting us down now. Yeah, really letting I was us gonna down. Say, I, I agree with you. I think that there's, you know, we can finger point 
you know, from my perspective, it looks like the Republicans are kind of like this obstructionist fascist wall of like theocrats and kleptocrats. You yeah. and like that people need money and they need to survive and Congress is not enabling that. And so there's like, it's going to only hurt us. And I think one way to try to get back to a level of, you know, health in our country and sanity is for like people to put aside any citizenship. So Jenna, let, let me, let me, uh, you got cut off. But... It's really hard to like reach across the aisle and deal with those guys. So Jenna, let me tell you, let me, I'm getting cut off. Let me tell you why common sense tells me that I think you're, you're, you're wrong in the specific case, so you might not be wrong in general. The Republicans are usually the party that would be um, skin flint about this stuff. However, in the two months before an election, everything changes. In the two months before an election that they very much badly wanted to win and keep control of the Senate, uh, these self-interested politicians were, would have been very happy to write these checks. The incentives were such that it was in the Republicans' interest to write the checks going into the election, and the Democrats were happy, benefited from finding some, you know, quote-unquote good reason to say that they couldn't sign it, but having people suffer for a few more weeks so they would hopefully blame Trump and the Republicans when they went to the polls. And that is the nature of politicians. So, I mean, you know, look, just as a, as a related thing, I just saw it on the internet today where Michael Moore, four years ago, was, was um, advocating that the electors, the electoral college should all be faithless electors and vote for Hillary, even though Trump won. You know, this is at, at the time, now we're here about uh, no respect for democracy, trying to rob people of their votes. But four years ago, many, many people were trying to advocate that the, uh, that the electoral college would defy the vote. So they're all, they're all full of shit, really. Anyway, but in the end, like Dangerfield's closed and uh, uh, a Creek in the Cave closed, and it's just tragic. It shouldn't have happened. It didn't have to happen. Yeah. Well, uh, did, did, did these clubs die with COVID or of COVID? I mean, were there, there were certainly some pre-existing conditions, I imagine. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. You know, I, I don't like, like the thing that really bothered me, it's like, look, I, I never, I have no real personal connection to Dangerfield at all. I have a little bit of a connection to the Creek, uh, but, but uh, like the Creek, I'm not talking about really here, but Dangerfield specifically, like it went down and it seemed like there was just like a mass exodus of comics, just like shitting on it, talking about how it just hasn't been relevant in 25 years, 30 years. And by the way, like a lot of these are good points. But I don't think that's the point. I think it's like, I, I, it just feels like so dishonorable or something to like celebrate. Uh, uh, by the way, and like Dangerfield doesn't mean that much to me. I started comedy in 2008. It was never relevant. It was never one of the clubs I wanted to get into. The cellar was, you know, you, you know, the, you know, you know, every other club, the comic strip, like nobody was talking about Dangerfield. No young comic was like, I want to get into Dangerfield. But it didn't. Sorry. I was just gonna say it's the only club I've actually never performed at in the city. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you're not missing anything. But like the thing is, is like, it, it was important at a different time, and I, and I don't think it's fair to to depreciate like some like something's value over like like it meant a lot to the comic before us. I mean, it was an institution, and like 
So be, just because it didn't mean something to me or I didn't have like a personal connection with it doesn't mean I think it's okay for somebody my generation to just shit on it or like whatever. You know, it's just, I, I don't know. I just don't like how people do that. I, I just, I find it wrong and I don't know. I didn't, I mean, I'm, I'm sure uh, you're right. I just didn't see what you're describing. I saw most people were respectful when Dangerfields went out of business and I, I didn't see a lot of shitting on it, but I'm sure it, it, it had happened. Um, you know, I have to understand uh, that these are, these are people's lives that go over. And when, and when a small business goes out, out, it's not like losing your job. You don't, you don't close your small business until you are fucking tapped out of every dime you can borrow. You know, it's, 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 it's like people don't walk away from, gamblers don't walk away from the table until, they're, until they've lost everything, you know? And, and, then, and that's like, so when you, when you see somebody close, you got to assume, that, and they're a million dollars in debt, and they're never going to recover, and their employees are fucked, and it's just, and, you know, and it's true, like, and the politicians are out there getting their hair done, and Gavin Newsom is in California going to dinners, and they, they you know, they, they're just, and I know he's a Democrat, but it could be, the Republicans are the same. They're horrible. I they're don't, fucking horrible. All of them. The fucking politicians are horrible. They could have, all they had to do was write another round of checks for all these small businesses who they close down. It's like, how do you do one half and not the other half? Listen, we're going to close you all down and we'll see about getting you some money to live on in the meantime. Close them down and give them money to live on. That's all. What's like, how, what does it mean to have a government if they can't do that? Yeah. Fuck them. Fuck them. How, really. how are small businesses in New York going to survive one more lockdown? I'm really curious. How is that they need, they need President Biden or whatever to, to write another round of checks. They have to do this. And, and it's not just for me, but the, it's the employees. Yeah. It's crazy what they're doing. Dad, what's and going on? we're at it, like, healthcare shouldn't be tied to employment, you know? <laughs> of course it shouldn't. Of course it shouldn't. Eh, whatever. Okay. Are we done? I think we're... <laughs> Well, I think we've, we've, we've hit all the topics. We didn't get into uh, Borat, but we couldn't. That was unexpected, but... Did you, you guys it. watch it? Did you like it and watch I it? I watched the movie film, yeah. I, I mean, I, the other one was so long ago and horrifyingly long ago in terms of how fast it flew by. But uh, my recollection is this one was funnier. I know everybody seems to be saying that the original... People often say the original is better, and it often is. Um, I happen to... As best I can remember, because I haven't seen the original in a while, I preferred this one. Cool. But 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 I know that that's not a universal opinion necessarily. I, I thought I I honestly heard there was a huge drop. Like people like I've heard what you've heard. Like I, people saying like far and away the first one's better. I thought it was much closer than people thought. Like I thought it was a worthy sequel. I thought it was like a really worthy sequel. Well, it was also very relevant because it was about COVID. I mean, yeah. it had a big you know COVID. A theme in it. But there were maskless scenes there, by the way. Well, that didn't go I mean, I guess I can say this. Don't, don't, don't say, don't say. You're going to get yourself in trouble. Don't say. Thank well, you for looking out for me, Noam. You yeah, always uh, do. You know, people often on movie sets get tested, Noam, so that uh, uh, to answer your question about masklessness, they might have all been tested. As people the thing often about te but testing is. Um, it's I know, better than it, not it, testing, but you can obviously have it. You could have caught yeah, it on the yeah, day you got the test. Or whatever. Touch the wrist down substantially. So listen, Eric, I'm sure you're going to be fine. I'm sure you're going to be fine. Thanks, Noam. 
But right. um, but <laughs> no, if you want to say anything, let that might go viral. You know, like anything like really pointed. I envy. I envy. I envy, I envy anybody that gets it. That I mean, it's got to be very anxiety provoking because you don't know what each day is going to bring. But if you have it and it's not too too bad, you got the antibodies. Yeah, you're good I to go. Say this. I just have to say this. I just got, I just went through a breakup from a six year relationship two months ago. And so I moved out of my apartment with my girlfriend and I'm now living with my brother. Okay. So this is the first time in six years that I've been sick that my girlfriend's not taking care of me and my brother is. And holy shit, is it a drop off? Okay. This is, this has been the funniest thing of COVID literally for me. And this is like the 10th time this has happened where a comedian has said to me, yeah, you know, I'm with my girlfriend. I mean, like, I'm like, motherfucker, I never knew you had a girlfriend. <laughs> like, there's been no sign of a girlfriend all these years. You're married? Like, this happened over and over again. You have a girlfriend for six years? <laughs> I had a girlfriend for six years. We, we did anybody, has, did, did you know that, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I knew it. Yeah, Monroe Mark was the same. Like, Monroe, you have a girlfriend? No, no married? Married? <laughs> your, your, your conversations with comics tend to be limited to... Um, you know, political man. No, no, no. Like everybody knows I'm married. When somebody, sits down at, when somebody sits down at the table, Noam says, let's talk about the steel dossier. He doesn't say, so what's going on with the little woman? We have not seen hide nor hair of these females in, in the in years. The, in the, this is like two universes. Well, you don't so is your brother, does your brother have it too? I don't see Juanita at, 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 at the Olive Tree all that often. So people don't necessarily bring their, their women around the, the comedy cellar, you know. Uh, Periel, to answer, by the way, Periel, we know, um, you know, I, I don't know if you've actually met my brother, right? Have you met my brother? No. I haven't met your brother, but this is, yeah. But your uncle is like one of my brother's like mentor, like they love each other. They, I know, it's really funny. So yeah, my yeah. uncle was a high, or middle school science teacher for like 20 years. And apparently Eric's brother is his like favorite all-time student. Like friend, my brother drops by the my brother's twenty-nine years old. He drops by the middle school all the time and they catch up and yeah, it's nice. Aww. You have an uncle who's a science teacher? <laughs> Why is that bizarre to you, Noam? Didn't, didn't he ever put you on his knee and teach you a little bit about logic and, and empirical evidence? And he um <laughs> First of all, I've told you this before. Most of the people in my family have um, sort of brilliant to genius level IQs. I know you can't believe it. I'm the only one in my family. Wait, so where's your brother? He, I mean, he's in the uh, he's, he's on the other side of this bedroom door, um, and he's like got sy symptoms now over the last like last day or so. So oh no. Yeah. But now I finally get to get welcome into the living room. He was keeping me trapped in the bedroom and I could only leave with a mask, go to the bathroom and come back. And now that he's positive, he's going to be positive. I mean, he's waiting for his results. But when he is, I can like actually like use the rest of the apartment now. Like I've been like- Wait a second. So he let you move in with him and then you gave him COVID. Yeah. But I also gave my ex, I think I might've given my ex-girlfriend, I went to go pick up stuff the other day from the apartment and I might've given it to her too. And now well, she- Virus is gonna, vi virus, good to quote uh, Alex Berenson, a former guest on the show, a virus gonna virus. <laughs> you know, you can't uh, be, feel too guilt-ridden, you, you know, for, for if somebody gave it to you, you know? So whoever that was, I, I blame that person. Um, it was you can't be- It was Louie. <laughs> it was Louie. 
What's that? Louis, he said, Louis really should get another test, though. Yeah, I know. I told Joe List to, you know, I texted List and I told him, you know, just let Louis know. And he said, Louis was like, you know, appreciative. And he said he didn't seem too concerned. So he's probably getting tested and all that. So right. nobody's that concerned. That's why we're still on lockdown eight months later. I know. Oh, it's nobody. It's. it's there's no like, for somebody to blame. what you're about to say, Mr. I haven't left the house in eight months. No, I'm saying that there was no way to control it. Every, even, every except for the Asian countries, it's everywhere. Uh, Jenna, know, Jenna would like to say something. Jenna, you raise your hand. I saw Outbreak in sixth grade and have always been a germaphobe. Again, I probably should have like gone into like public health instead of comedy. But we knew once Wuhan was in lockdown, January, January 22nd, New York should have been like, so prepared. I had to fly back from the West Coast to do a show upstate on February 6th, and I was terrified and, you know, wore a mask on the plane and then left New York right after that. But it was crazy how even the first, second, third week of February, people were just so laissez-faire about it. And that even though, you know, it's hard to bridge, like hindsight's twenty twenty, I still feel like the city should have been just a little bit more prepared and closed schools. Like, at least a week earlier. Like it was crazy how late- 100%. You are right. And we said it on this show, by the way, in real time that we, uh, we should be- that But that, that was already March by the time I think we were advocating that, you know? No, I mean, Noam stopped coming in, remember? And everybody was- Yeah, that was like late of him. early March though. And I, I was- February. February I, February, I was buying masks. I bought an extra refrigerator. I was writing my school board that they should be closing. They accused me of being a fear monger. I, I had a, I, I had, uh, absolutely. As, as soon as uh, we saw what was going on, it was a Lombardi in, in Italy. That was yeah. really like, that's like, come on now. What do you, what do you guys, like, what the fuck? And then our, again, our leaders let us down, Democrats and Republicans. Go out, go out. It's, you know, don't be a bigot. Go have a good time. Spend money. It's like, what the fuck? De Blasio was going to the gym. Yeah, I remember that. He sucked. De Blasio, Cuomo, Trump, all of them. Pelosi. You know who was good was we talked about it was London Breed. The uh, she's the mayor of San Francisco. Oh yeah, she's great. Well, yeah, they she, saw it coming. I mean, yeah. She was she was very she was very smart and uh and then I think the the um Mike Dewine, the governor of Ohio. There were people on the left and right who exercised not a partisan thing who just had some common sense. Yeah, and, um, but, but even Fauci as late as chicken shit was even Fauci as late as late February saying we don't anticipate this is going to be a horrible thing. Yes, but it, but it it but it changed very quickly, and there was a time when Fauci changed his tone. Ohio Ohio shut down. I think they had six cases two full weeks before New York did, when New York already had that whole New Rochelle hotspot. So there you see drastic different. Reactions to to um, an, an objective situation. Ohio was was um, you know cautious and planned for the worst, and New York was blindly optimistic in some ways. And we know they were, were how are the kids going to eat their lunch and what's going to happen at the school. It was also and people are going to say it's racist and all. They had all kinds of good reasons to to you know bring about the deaths of tens of thousands of people. Is what they did anyway. Um, Mike, when do you think this is all past us? Give me a, um, give me a month. Well, it won't be past us in one day, but I think, um, I mean, if, if they start, 
the inoculations in middle of December, it feels like by March, we should really be, you know, at least at 50, 75% capacity, like on our way out. I don't know, just a guess, but we do have a vaccine, three of them, right? And there's going to be more. This is going to be over pretty soon. Nobody's concerned about the side effects with this vaccine. They won't be. I mean, the I think it was like the Johnson Johnson one is maybe like ninety five percent effective or something. And with vaccines, I don't know. I don't think that they have that they would have like a long term effect. I'm not a doctor. I just <laughs> pretend to be one. Um, yeah, I yeah. Think vaccines typically have long term side effects. The short term ones are being studied, and I don't think that they're proving to be too severe. But I'm no more of a doctor than Jen. In the meantime, outdoor hangs. I know it's cold. Outdoor, over six feet apart. Just don't hang with people who aren't in your like bubble, um, who aren't in your like microbiome, like your family. Well, a lot of good that did uh, Newman's brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope. And, you and guys the truth is that is how you know the bubble is where you get it. I think, but but um, how long do you? I mean, obviously, you think we're going to lockdown December first? Is that, I keep hearing December 1st. Is that, is that, is there any? For New York City? Know, but I'll, I'll be hoping for so. Aruba. Uh, but you know, I mean, uh, um, so, you know, in a way I'll be happier if you do go into lockdown because I won't be here and I'll feel like I got out for, I got, like I got one over on everybody. Very yeah. selfish attitude. I'll what be in you, this, yeah, until you're stuck in Aruba for a year again. What do you mean you lockdown I, as opposed to what, what? Like, I feel like I've been on lockdown since oh, no, no. restaurants, restaurants and everything closing down again. Listen, the restaurants are losing a fortune. 25%. It's cheaper to be closed than have 25% over with 25% capacity. It's crazy what they're doing to the restaurants. Listen, I don't restaurant. I'm sorry. Is that just don't go inside and eat at a restaurant. Is that a weird take? No, it's not a weird take. At no, all. it's not a weird take at all. But Noam, are you saying that, so restaurants are going to close again December 1st. But this, but this is we, what Newman is saying. I haven't heard I'm this at all. I've heard that. I'm saying that's what people have been telling me. I'm wondering if there's any truth to it. And my question is, is the government not decided that they're going to give another round of money or they're not? They're definitively not. No, they will. They will. It just, it's it's, it's going to come later than it needed to. That's all. I think. Anyway, I, I think. Listen, I think, uh, Perriel. Earlier in the show, I, I referred to a particular comedian. Could you have Lou Witzke bleep it out? Yes, yes, and we don't need to talk about that on the show either. I guess kind of people like a kind of, um, it's meta, you know, it's like. No, and before it's, we leave, is there anything else you'd like to walk back before we say goodbye? Can I walk back when you, you go ahead, walk. When, I, when you asked about Bora, and then I was like, I guess I could tell you this, and then Gnome So Cool Cooley was like, don't even say anything. Maybe just take out me even thinking about saying no 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 you know that's okay you didn't say anything you didn't say if you want us to let periel know but i don't think that's necessary no, um not, anyway uh podcast at comedyseller.com for comments questions suggestions compliments constructive criticism and uh yes you have something to say jenna I think that there should be an after show of just like podcasts when it's all Jews, where the after show is all of us just being anxious and worrying and neurotic about like what we think we said that we should. Uh, it should be it should be catered at least. And Kate, yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> it's like so Jewish. 
That's so we, we funny, certainly, Jenna. We do that, <laughs> I'm going to run out and eat. I have not said this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this podcast is 100% Jewish right now, isn't it? Yes, well, yes, like and I was actually quite impressed that it, has, it hadn't come up until now, <laughs> because this podcast is, I frequently will tell Periel, Periel, can you please book somebody that's not Jewish? And because, I say, absolutely not. I only book Jews. <laughs> We're almost in the end. I, I do prefer to have diversity. Diversity is sort of the watchword of the era, and um, especially when we talk about topics that I think involve people of different backgrounds. It's good to have those people on the show. Now, all we had was a, a chihuahua to represent <laughs> uh, diversity. Potato Latka well, Epstein is Jewish. <laughs> and within the Jewish community, I'm, I'm quite tall, so that could be a diverse element. Anyway, uh, podcast, if you think there's too many Jews on the show, podcast at ComedySally.com is the place to go to let us know. If you think there should be more, uh, you let us know that too. And, and, and if Chappelle uh, wants your phone number, he might want to have some words with you. Uh, is it okay for me to, to give it to him, Dan? Uh, Wait a bit, me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I guess so. You know, I'd be flattered to even if he called me just to yell at me. <laughs> It'd be, you know, it's just any any brush with fame I can get at this point. Um, if anybody Does no one any... want to say Happy Thanksgiving? Oh, and Happy oh. Thanksgiving tomorrow. That's right. Uh, I'm not really going to be. What, is, what, what are we celebrating? America? Poy, poy, Genes poy. We're celebrating genocide. Oh, God. Are we? What is I that what we're celebrating? How do you bring Jenna Friedman into this? Genocide. What? Genocide. Look, yeah. I mean, every Thanksgiving, like there are, and I know I, you're going to make fun of me, but there are like Native American, there's this Native American women's nonprofit that I always just give money to just to be like, nah. Sorry, even though it wasn't us, I, I came over, my people came over in the 1890s from like pogroms, but. Well, it was <laughs> you, but the land that's, you're living on, you know. That's very nice, belong, Jenna. It might have belonged to somebody else at some Listen, point. Can, can we, can we, you know. Wait, can I just say one thing, Dan? That was a really clever joke and a good title for Jenna's a special, Genocide. I'm, I'm quite sure that she's, in her lifetime, that. people have been saying that her, her whole life. Really? I think, I think I have a better name for Jenna's special. Genocidal foam. Genocidal <laughs> foam. Yeah. Like like spermicidal foam. <laughs> Genocidal foam. That oh, kind of no, that kind of puts it all together. It, uh, like has a little bit of Jew in it, a little bit of feminism in it. Anyway, um, I thought I thought it was better. Uh, listen, <laughs> just on this whole this whole cancel thing, it, it really is worth saying as we wind off that uh, Muhammad had slaves, and um. I know that's almost trite to say. I don't, I don't care that Muhammad has slaves, but we cannot pick and choose. Like, let's start, like, if, like why is Thomas Jefferson worse than Muhammad? This is Thomas the part I'm cutting out. Like, like, in other words, like, what is this? I, the idea of judging the past by today's standards is insanity. And the only way you can manage it is if you want to pick and choose who you want to be the bad guys. If you, if you yeah. want to do it, if you want to do it, fairly, you make a bad guy out of every race, every creed, every religion. It, so the point is that the only people who do it, it's not about they really want to judge people in the past. It's because they're looking for a way to cast a finger at a particular group that they have resentments towards. So right now it's, you know, the, the founding fathers, white people. So we're going we're gonna to judge the founding fathers by all rules, but we're not going to turn to Africa or Muhammad or uh, ancient Israel or any like anything like we're not we're just like it's 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 ridiculous 
thank God we live in the modern era where we know better. And we're going to have to let the past go because the past is a past. And I'm not talking about 20 years ago. I'm talking about 200 years ago. It's, it's, it's done. But it people happened. are repeating those same. I mean, All right, well, I don't want to open up a whole nother. I'm just insane. You, you, was there someplace on planet Earth where people were living by 2020, 2020 standards Look, in the 1700s and they had gay marriage and they had no slaves and they weren't killing each other? And they, like, what, where on planet Earth were they living this way that we want to judge Plymouth Rock? Like, what are we talking about here? It's ridiculous. Point. And with that, I, I want to wish you that we all evolve, which isn't, you know, necessarily true, but it's like the, you hope that the arc of the moral universe is long, but bends towards justice and that we- That's we very have- clever. Did you write that? <laughs> that, of course, is uh, Dr. King. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, yes, we hope it is. It, actually, it is. It absolutely is. I, I know we can't get into this, but I'm so curious about the hottest topic in comedy, which is cancel culture. It's so, it is very funny to me that the people at like the height of the industry do rail against it and then the people there's so much i want to talk about but we don't have to we'll have we'll have jenna on again we have to have yeah. jenna on again because it is we're getting uh, it's it's an hour and a half and if jenna has things to say we want to hear those things but and jenna's a good egg because she, she she's a she's got a like she she has a she's a pretty far left breathe fire breathing person but you, she doesn't get like uh, doesn't get personal about it. So it's nice to talk to her about it. How can She's we never say that about me? Um, you can follow us our Instagram at uh, Periel uh, at the live from at the live table. from the table. Jenna's not a canceler, as far as I understand her. She, you're not a canceler, are you, Jenna? No, I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't you didn't try to cancel me. I remember that you didn't try to. Well, cancel I don't me. think it. I mean, look, like God, there's so much. I think you know people who. Uh, are committing crimes should be held accountable, but I don't. I think that there we, there needs to be more room for nuance if we're all going to evolve and coexist peacefully. Okay. And on that note, <laughs> that is a nice note to end things on. Thank you, Eric, for coming out of your sick bed, and hopefully your symptoms get no worse than they currently are right now. And good luck. I noticed you do seem a little fatigued. You have a tendency to talking somewhat irrationally, making points that weren't cogent. So I hope that I'm only kidding. <laughs> um, but you know, we'll feel better. Jenny, uh, you look great. I like the short hair. I cut it myself. Wonderful. <laughs> and congratulations on a career that seems to be flourishing. She can't talk about that. But she can't talk about it. There you are looking good. Looking good. And feeling good. And 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 uh, you know whatever. All right. Anybody else? Noam's gone, and just like that. (laughs) All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Jenna, uh, we'll have you back on to discuss those things that we didn't get to this time. Bye, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thanksgiving. Thanks for for having me. Feel better. Bye, Jenna. Bye.